Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is once again presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o c-o. And be sure to tell them those cool nerds at Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. Hey, um, Locke, right? Right. I don't like that guy. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. A raised circular dais. It looks adamantine. You see some archaeologists, a female gif in a super wide brim sun hat. I think Azeroth is hiding something. Huh. He seemed to want to get something that was here. Azeroth seems to be examining the ground. We can help you. As I said before, I don't need your help. Seemed like you were having trouble getting down there before, so it seems like you need somebody's help. Ravnus will do a hand through her hair, hands her the thread. Is this what you saw below? Yes. Thank you. Luckbeak and Ravnus. You are in Storm's Eye, kind of in the center of the tent city that makes up the archaeological dig. And you had just gotten done talking to Ezerath. And Ravnus, you gave her a strand of encode thoughts, which includes what you saw down below in the caverns beneath the dig site. This adamantine dais of Githzerai origin that was uncovered here. She said she has no ability to read that just now, but she can do it over time. So after this conversation, you agreeing to help her and her finally being willing to accept that help, she went off on her own, leaving the three of you here in the middle of the dig site. Marco, you know that the dig leader, Diago Vasco, has told you about some of the other archaeologists working here and what they're working on and that they might need help translating some things. But uh, beyond that, you still have a couple hours to kill before the Leadfoot gnomes take off to the mine. So what do you guys do? Um, considering the fact that um, I think we pretty much covered everything with Ezerath last time, or at least that's now more on uh, Ravnus, uh, Marco's going to be spending the rest of his time translating. Sure. So you know that specifically Diego said that the one thing that he knows for sure that they found that needs translating is an item that currently resides with archivist Kolo Amala. However, he did mention that there's also a geologist Ebon and anthropologist Colette Lightbloom that are working on things around as well. Where is Locke right now? Uh, Locke is at the pit stop. Um, Marco, did you say you were going to the archivist tent? 
Yes, um, I do believe he said that someone named Colo needed some translation, so I'm going to be heading out that way. Boy, why did I refer to you as Marco Tanner? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was you, like, you we just abandoned the accent, I guess. <laughs> no pretense anymore. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, in the very brief time jump we had between episodes, Marco <laughs> could have easily said he's heading to the archivist tent. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. No, I just wanted to know for Saker's reference. Uh, oh, I, for I will also point out that Luckbeak and Ravnus did walk past the archivist tent, and mm-hmm. that was the tent that had all of the, like, weapons and little uh, interesting bits and bobbles out on the table. So Luckbeak's heading with me? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, And for the audience, you're still dressed like your... Australian, yeah. Australian (laughs) archaeological fisherman, apparently. (laughs) Right. You got it. Did it have the... I, I meant to ask last time, did it have like the little quirks hanging from strings around the edge of your hat? You know what I'm talking Maybe about? Maybe it's whatever <laughs> makes good fan art. That's all I'm worried about. People can interpret... Our fans, you interpret those corks however you want. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ham. We want to see your versions of this outfit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Ravnus, are you going with them? Um, for now. Yeah, I'll go with them. Okay. So you know that the uh, the archivist tent is not far from here, although the the size of the dig site isn't that large, so nothing is too terribly far from anything else. And uh, you see that it is one of the larger tents nestled amongst all of the other tents that are used for the seekers to camp out or to store equipment or supplies and that sort of thing. And you see a female Hadozi in robes that look like very scholarly, like wizard or sage type robes. And she is sitting cross-legged on a stool in front of a table under a canvas awning, looking at a few small items through spectacles that are kind of perched on the bridge of her nose. Hello, um, are you uh, Kolo Avala? Kolo Amala, yes. Amala, excuse me. Um... Hello, I'm Marco Astorio. These are my companions, um, Luckbeak Humboldt and Ravnus. And I have been told by the dig leader, Diego Vasco, that you need some translations done um, from Ancient Kratorian. Ah, yes, I do. I'm in the process of cat- uh, cataloging uh, the items found in a um, rather interesting discovery we made um, just yesterday. Interesting. You mind if I take a look? Certainly. She gestures out to the items strewn about. You see kind of grouped together in front of her is what looks like a gold bronze looking ornate chain ending in a tiny ornate golden skull covered in intricate designs with rubies for eyes. There's a gold ring with a purple gem inset into it and the gem is cut to look like the folds of a brain. And then there is a very dusty and beaten, but otherwise intact, red feather quill with a gold grip and a pen tip on the end. And she says, these items appear to be found on the body of an elf that we found in the ruins of what looked like it was once perhaps a tower of some sort. And these items, she gestures to the pile next to it, was found in the same location on what appears to have been the remains of a dwarf. And she gestures, as you see, that pile looks like a rusted suit of full plate armor. There is a ornate spear with a polished steel head and a counterbalance, um, and it's intricately carved with little fin-like appendages. 
And there is also a ornate polished longsword with a bronze pommel and crossguard with intricate Kratorian carvings, you notice and recognize immediately. And then uh, there is also a stylized brown leather purse, and it is soon in- stitched with intricate patterns with blue colored thread. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, you're cataloging these items, huh? I am. So do you know what all of them do? Yes. Uh, these, most of these uh, here are magical, we have determined. Um, some of them uh, we're not entirely sure exactly their properties, but uh, we do expect that um, the Kratorians being powerful in the magical persuasions, uh, that these items will be quite mm. useful. Oh, oh, all right. Uh, but, I mean, are they cool? I mean, I'm just curious, like, what <laughs> what kind of... I mean, what's the coolest thing that you got here? I'm just curious what this stuff... Like that armor right there. What's that armor about? Uh, that armor is actually um, completely oh. mundane. No. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> the one item on this list that isn't magical, Saker. <laughs> um, Marco is going to um, carefully pick up the sword and try to translate the Kratorian language that is inscribed on it. Yeah, you can easily. It uh, reads a single word. It says extrospect. Extrospect? Yes. You get the impression that this is the name of the weapon. Hmm. Apparently the name of this blade is extrospect. Does that mean anything to you, Colo? She shakes her head uh, and she goes, I don't believe so. But I do know that it is a um, plus one long sword. <laughs> uh, Press the X button to save. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but... Add to your inventory. No. Yeah. Uh, and she says, um, and um, it it also has a magical property uh, of the sentinel. Uh, it, it will glow in the presence of a certain creature, but we're not sure what yet. Interesting. Marco that will... sounds like something Ravnus wants. <laughs> Marco will place the weapon back on the table because that is something that Marco does not want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, um, well, to answer your question, she says, looking to Luckbeak, um, this coin purse is quite handy. Um, it is, uh, in fact, uh, holds much larger uh, amounts than it would appear on the outside. Um, but other, also interestingly, um, she opens it, and the mouth of it only opens to about like maybe three or four inches around, just enough to get a hand in. And she reaches her hand in almost to the elbow, mm. which is interesting to see, and then pulls out a small slip of paper. And she says, in addition to um, a, a decent number of Cretorian coins found within this pouch, we've also found this. Uh, and, sh- uh, and she hands the piece of parchment to Marco expectantly. Uh, well, I take it and I attempt to translate it. It is Cretorian, and the the ink is faded but legible, and it's written in a very elegant elven hand, and it says, Here is the amount we agreed upon and an advance for the next month. If what I discovered is true, I fear I will need your protection services now more than ever. It's a very simple translation. It's uh, to talk about a transaction between a person and someone that they're hiring for protection services. It looks like whoever this person is... um was fearful for their life or felt themselves in a great deal of peril, but beyond that, it seems to be more of a writ of, you know, employment. 
Interesting. Well, we found this this coin purse on the dwarf. Perhaps it was payment from the elf? I think it stands to good reason. This is in a, what I could probably safely say to be a elven sort of handwriting, not to... (laughs) 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 Not to make too many assumptions, but I think it would be safe to assume that the dwarf was hired by the elf for protection. Yes, and... The dwarf seemed to be outfitted to be more of the martial persuasion. I think that would be a accurate assessment. So now this feels like kind of like a like a mystery, a murder mystery of something sort. Of, I mean, like a ten thousand year old murder mystery. But uh, <laughs> I'm now kind of like want to piece more of this together. So I'm gonna put the uh, the the paper back with the coin purse, and I'm going to look at. Um, well, I know what one of these is is Tanner, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that one for now. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Golden Skull Ruby Eyes um, one and try to do an assessment. Sure. Even though it are, is. are you using any magic or you just want to make an Arcana check? Um, this one's just going to be an Arcana check. I, I, I desperately need to get to tech magic. <laughs> you can ask your friends, Marco. Oh, that's fair. I would like to make an Arcana check first, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how smart I am before I resign myself to ask for help from you exactly marco's like "Hmm, no certainly not be gone peasant sure um so you're looking at the uh the chain with the uh tiny golden skull with ruby eyes correct sure all right arcana check all right so that's gonna be an 18 an 18 yes uh you are fairly certain um now it's obviously like a different design like in the the make of it is is clearly kind of kratorian in uh in make it has like a lot of the hallmarks of like that kratorian uh like art and design into it but its function and general like vague appearance uh reminds you of an item that you were aware of in your time in school um but it is a uh, you're fairly certain a medallion of thoughts Medallion of Thoughts. Uh, which you know, uh, it has a number of charges that can be used to cast the Detect Thoughts spell. Oh, shit. Well. Which can be used to read Ravnus's code <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, um, I place it back down and said, this seems like a, just a Kratorian version of a Medallion of Thoughts. Interesting. Um. Nick, can you real quick for me uh, just list like one word all these items? There's ring. There's there's a ring. There's a medallion. Right. There is sword. Uh, Red feather quill. Uh, oh, I I think I missed one. There's also um there's also a brass uh like bangle bracelet. Okay. So there's a ring. There's a medallion. There's a bracelet. There's a quill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all like the the elven pile. And then there was the the shitty rusty plate armor. Uh, the spear, um, a sword, and the coin purse. Got it. Okay. Yeah, Ravna's eyes look be very suspiciously. <laughs> what? <laughs> she assumes that he's going to steal at least some of this stuff. <laughs> Only because I asked Nick for a list of it. Now that Ravna doesn't know that. <laughs> so, um, Marco, was you were you looking at anything else? Yeah. Um, I mean, more or less, I'm going to make an appraisal of most of these things, but in particular, because I feel like and this is just a Tanner feeling that like this might lead me into a conversation. I'm going to look at the purple brain uh, ring. Sure. Um, and examine it. I guess I'll make an arcana check here. 
Okay, that's better. Um, that's gonna be a twenty-five. Damn. Um, okay. Uh, you're you're again. This is one of those things where uh, you recognize the the item for something similar that you've seen back on Toro. Um, again, it kind of has that Kratorian kind of make to it, but functionally, um, you're fairly certain this is a ring of mind shielding. All right, that's what I thought. Um, so on that, I'm going to look at Colo and I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. Um, said, um, Colo, if you don't mind me asking, just kind of piecing a lot of the stuff together here, uh, has there been any evidence in the storm of illithids, any illithid zombies that have been walking around, any ones in the body near this tower that you found? It's interesting to find so many thought-based, uh, magical items attached to these people. She she looks um curiously and says, "Well, not that I'm aware. Um, illithids are notoriously hard to track, as they operate almost exclusively from their nautiloids. So, very rarely will you find evidence of them directly. And um, from what I understand, is that illithids are born of the." stock of other humanoids so even if they perished their fleshy bits the tentacles and stuff will decay away and leaving humanoid skeleton behind Rook, this is tanner not so they don't have any like teeth like they have human skulls because that would be that's a something <laughs> she will add like i'm not an expert in lithids i'm an archivist i deal with the assessment and cataloging of items um but to my knowledge, Alithid's activity has been almost completely unheard of the last recent years. Um, but it stands to reason that they could have been active hmm. back during the Kratorian Age. Oh. I do agree that such items here might point to that. Just for also quick measure, I want to know what the red feather quill is because I don't know what that is. Sure. Go ahead and make a- another arcana check. So that one is going to be a 17. 17? You don't know. Mm, you get the whoa. impression that it may be a like exclusively Kratorian-made magic item. Kolo, what can you tell me about the quill? Because the other things <laughs> I've seen in the past before, but uh, the quill is, 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 uh, is perplexing me. It's vexing me quite painfully. <laughs> she says, actually, I'm not sure. We have detected magic upon it, so we know it is magical, but uh, we have not been yet been able to I identify it. So um, I am not certain of its of its properties. Hmm. But I, I also have never seen anything like it. Ravnus, is there anything here that's particularly piquing your interest? No. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Side-eyes the sword. No. <laughs> <laughs> Marco looks back to Colo, just like, well, now that that's been covered. Um, <laughs> so, um, is there anything else that you would need help with while you're here? It looks like uh, we've at least uncovered all the mysteries that I can solve in this tent. Um, yes, the, the, the two biggest things were the inscription upon the sword and the, the writing on the note we found here. Uh, I don't have any other need at the moment here, but I could, uh, if you're not doing anything, I might ask you a favor. Oh, of course. I have finished extracting these items from the uh, humanoid remains that we found them on, but I know that anthropologist Colette would like to take and catalog those remains. If you wouldn't mind taking them over to her tent, I would be appreciative of that. All these items on the table here? 
No, she gestures uh, down to a large wooden open topped crate that you can see there's a divider in it and there is two ancient looking humanoid bones. Oh, um, pleasant. That that look like the actual bones of the elf and the dwarf that these items were found on. You think five will be into them? maybe but it sounds like it sounds like the seekers have plans for them at least to catalog them and uh uh, study them (laughs) that's fair just kind of you know giggling good buddy so uh yeah marco picks up the chest filled with the bones um and sure enough like kind of lifts it high on his chest they're pretty heavy (laughs) yeah kind of lifts it high on his chest trying to get balance to it and i mean his face is in the bones and it just not even phasing him nope Smells like dirt, like, really. <laughs> well, all right then. Um, I'll take these over to Colette. Where is the tent for uh for your friend? Uh, she'll say, "Oh, it's just down that way on your left." Oh, are you are you okay? Can do you have that? Oh yes, I've no no problem at all. Um, <laughs> Ravness, you might. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you need help? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ravness will help him. Okay. <sighs> Thank you, Ravness. The three of you are now leaving Colo's tent to head to the anthropologist's tent. Marco and Ravenous each on one side of this wooden box full of ancient bones and Pluckbeak tagging along. Yeah, I guess if there's no other stops, we're going to head over to Colette with a giant bag of bones. So you head over and it's it's kind of like a similar setup tent to Colo's. And you see a woman, she's dressed like a seeker, but she has, uh, she's not wearing like a, an overcoat or robe or anything. She just kind of has like a, a sleeveless shirt on, like her jacket kind of wrapped around her waist. She is a taller black woman. Um, she has her hair pulled back out of the way and, uh, and held that way. And she seems to be very meticulously placing bones kind of laid out on a canvas, seemingly trying to arrange them together with like the, the actual individual that they're from so she's like in the process of it's a big jigsaw puzzle with humanoid remains um hello colette yes hi uh, um she she furrows her brow and she goes oh haven't seen you around here before yes i'm um i'm marco astorio a member of the seekers and these are my associates luckbeak humboldt and ravness i was sent over here with a collection of bones from your uh friend colo indicating ah. the bone box yes well, it's a pleasure to meet all of you. I'm Colette Lightbloom, the anthropologist here on this dig. Um, and thank you for bringing those over. Colo took way longer than she normally does, and I've been really meaning to get to those as well. So, um, besides uh, putting bodies back together, what are you working on here? What, what's so special about this body that you found? Um, well, for one, we found it with a iron bar driven through its skull. As in, as in, like, an iron rod, or as in, like, an iron ingot? Like an iron rod. Oh, okay, the ingot would have been, like, there might not have been much of a skull left. Um, no, so. it was an iron rod driven through its skull. Oh, well. We actually found a mass grave of bodies like that. A mass grave with iron? Mm-hmm. There's nothing else, just iron rods? Just iron rods. Varying in length, uh, between 10 and 14 inches, uh, for the most part, um... Uh, rusted all to hell, uh, but most of them seem to be intact. Uh, the ones that aren't, um, we at least see signs in the skull of uh, of such a um, uh, an implement being there. But yeah, we found a mass grave of about uh, 14 to 
16 individuals. I'm sorting out the exact number now. She gestures to, like, the bin full of miscellaneous parts <laughs> and the individuals that she is slowly piecing together out on these tarps. They've been uh, ritualistic murders? We're not sure yet. Um, I've been attempting to figure that out now. If we can determine how many individuals they were and perhaps uh, what race or uh, age demographics perhaps uh, or what sex they were. Um, we could maybe look for patterns that way um, and also perhaps dating them. Uh, I've been uh, having discussions with geologist Iban on uh, exactly where in the uh, soil levels they were found to indicate uh, perhaps where in the timeline that the this mass grave was created. Um, but we haven't come to any uh, definitive results yet. Um, could I make a history or arcana or nature, some sort of check to assist with this? Or to sure. kind of get my own take on it? You make history or, uh, I guess, arcana. Um, history might get you more mileage for something like this, because there's not anything inherently magical about what you're observing here. Um, you, what Rolling arcana would basically be like, is there a magical explanation? Um, history might be like, do I know of anything like this being done in anywhere in my research? Okay, well, they're both plus eight for me, so <laughs> I'll go with history because it sounds juicier. Sure. All right, so that's a 24. 24. Uh, you aren't sure. You have no no knowledge of anything specifically like this uh, being done. Um, however, uh Perhaps it was a, a response to something that was happening, something afflicting the town that the town didn't quite understand. So they, they made attempts to counter it however they have. It kind of reminds you of like the idea of like a town under attack by vampires might bury their dead with the stakes through their hearts sort of thing. But you're not familiar of any instance of like an iron bar driven through the skull. Um, I'm going to convey this just out loud to say, um, well, this feels kind of not so much a ritual but seems sort of reactionary like maybe some sort of superstition or something mass grave assumes that most people died this way very quickly so it would kind of maybe stand to reason that maybe some event occurred that required an iron bar to be used to ward off something i would say colette kind of scratches her chin and she says yes that would make a lot of sense and as advanced as the Cretorians were, this settlement seems rather remote and isolated. They may not have the magical capabilities that the Greater Empire had. So that could be a sound theory. So, um, quite fascinating. Uh, let me ask, is there anything else that you all might require while you're here? I've been kind of making my rounds around the entire encampment with my, towing my poor friends along with me. Um, <laughs> any other jobs <laughs> that an archaeologist like myself who specializes in Cretorian language might assist with? Um, I don't have anything with Cretorian language, but I could show you the other mystery that I'm currently puzzling over. Maybe you might have some insight. Oh, of course. I love a good mystery. And uh, <laughs> Marco smiles and kind of like elbows Ravnus, expecting her to be just as enthused as he is. <laughs> and walks yeah. on without looking at her. <laughs> yeah, a good mystery. <laughs> 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 of course <laughs> so uh she kind of excitedly turns and walks to the tent and grabs a small wooden crate probably about maybe 18 inches on a side and she brings it back out and sets it down in front of you all and she says this was found in the remains of a larger central building of this settlement the remains itself seem to have been bound to a table 
but the most interesting part is this. And she takes the lid off of the container and you see a humanoid skull. You're uncertain if it was human, elf, dwarf or whatever, but it is definitely a medium sized humanoid skull. But what strikes you the most is it seems that the skull is like burst out from the inside, not only just cracked and shattered, but like the, the skull bone is like ballooned outward and like warped and deformed. Okay. I have not the slightest idea of what could have caused this. I feel like I'm playing CSI Cratoria right now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think of like some cheesy one-liner to say afterwards being like, oh, that must be a splitting headache. (laughs) Puts on the sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah! (laughs) Can Ravnus also make a check to see if she knows what this is? Yes. Ravnus, you can make a check with advantage. Oh, I I like the sound of that. Uh, you can do hist- history or arcana, and Marco, you can make a check as well, whichever. Oh, no, I'm kind of interested to see what Ravnus has to say right now. That is a 19 plus two. 19. Okay, so 21. 21. Blackjack. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, <laughs> so, um, anyway. You're not 100% sure of exactly what caused this, um, but it does distinctly feel like it's something Illithid related. Um. Yeah, um, she'll say, it's the squids. Solved your mystery. Wait, what are the squids? <laughs> you think the Marco. squids are the skeletons or the squids the ones doing the killing? Uh, she does think that the squids are the ones doing the exploding. Yes. Um, they're the ones doing it. Huh. This would certainly fall with my hypothesis earlier about the magical items found protecting especially from illithids. And also my uh, holds up my pewter cube, which has been bouncing around all over the place since I got here. And it, it has subsided a little since you've come up back up to the surface, but it is still vibrating more so than usual. Interesting. So does that mean that they used to be here? They used to live here? Hmm. Um, Nick, is there any way I could make a check to maybe piece together uh, the iron bars to um, potentially illithid? No, you don't need to make a check uh, because based on what you've already made a check for, um, if if the mind flayers were doing something to the populace of this town, it could stand to reason that if the town didn't know what was going on and they were only observing whatever effects were afflicting them this could result in this sort of behavior. I am then going to say, well, thanks to my associate here, bringing up the fact that this may very well be an illithid attack, um, bringing the fact that uh, Kolo was looking over magical items meant to shield the mind from potential attacks like that, or to detect thoughts, and also it stands to reason that iron bars would be used as a way of um, maybe for a more rural community um to be reacting to something they don't really understand what's going on i think it stands to reason that uh an illithid had attacked this area at least at some point in the past uh colette's gonna nod along with that looking kind of impressed and she says yeah that that would make a lot of sense but the the thing is um seeing such a mass grave like this uh then this kind of superstitious prevention um of perhaps the illithids taking the bodies or or taking them the brains or 
turning them into whatever seramorphosis or I'm not an expert in mind flares. Um, but uh, this was something that may have happened over time. Over time? That built to this point of having such a large grave. It doesn't feel to me like it was a overnight attack. It feels like this town may have been preyed upon over weeks, months, years. So perhaps. I'm going to ask a question completely off the wall, especially since we're near Illithids right now. But um, I'm going to ask, uh, Colette, is there any way that there was any there was ever any potential bodies of water that was here a long time ago? Any underground caverns, things like that? I'm not sure. That would be a uh, a question for um, geologist Ebon. I have to see him because I'm starting to think um, Illithids might be one, but also another potential culprits in Abeleth who would be able to prey upon a town for quite a long period of time. If there was obviously a water source that they could use. She nods along with that. Um, you get the impression she's a very intelligent woman, but she's not an expert in these sorts of very alien creatures, these aberrations. It's just not her area of expertise. As I'm prattling on as I do, um, tell me, where, where might I find Oban? Oh, um, his tent is located over on the edge of the, the dig site proper. Oh, thank you. Um, there's nothing else um, here, Colette. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and I hope to see you sometime in the future. It's been a pleasure as well. You're based out of the Enclave on Nadir Anchorage? Oh, uh, well, I mean, uh, the Void Fair tends to be my permanent residence, but yes, um, we do typically frequent Nadir Anchorage a lot. Particularly Kandori's Cradle. Very good. Um, then perhaps I will see you around there after we're done here. Of course. Um, and I shake her hand and walk out. Well, you're mm -hmm. getting hit on Marcus. Marco. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Marcus Astrid. <laughs> um, I say, uh, hey, Claire, one more thing before we go. Um, I mean, I don't know how much research y'all did about this place in general, but like this storm... Has it always been around? I mean, is it like just a feature of the planet or? As far as I'm aware, I'm not an expert in, in that per se, but um, from what I understand, it's been a feature of this moon since anyone has returned to the system a few years ago, mm. along with this eye in the storm here. Okay. All right. Interesting. Thanks. My pleasure. So, um, as everybody leaves, Marco kind of turns to the others and says, um... This has all been well and good and lots of fun. I mean, I've been having a blast, but I mean, this might be somewhat boring for the two of you. Would we maybe want to, I don't know, go get some drinks or something? I don't want to keep boring you all with uh, me prattling on about things that happened thousands of years ago. All right. Yeah. Well, we can get some drinks. It's fine with me. I mean, honestly, we only have a few hours here, Marco. So, I mean, I don't want to deprive you neither of like... You know, finding stuff you need to find. So, if you need to do your thing, me and me and Ravnus can split off from you. I mean, that, that could certainly work. Maybe I'll meet you up later. I don't, like I said, I'm, I mean, if you all want to come along with me, that's fine. But I feel a little bad that I'm over here talking with people on and on. And you all are just sort of, you know, in the background. And I don't mean that as a derogatory term. I just don't want to bore you all. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean it's it's fine. We we'll, we'll, let's go get a drink. Let's go get a drink. All right, we go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> ¶¶ 
everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and monster under your bed. You should really clean under there. It's getting pretty gross. Thanks for listening to this fifth episode of Chapter 4. If you're liking what you're hearing, be sure to give us a follow on our social medias at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Also, if you're feeling extra spicy, leave a rating and review on iTunes and Podchaser. That's a great way for you to support the show with no cost to you. We have some fun Halloween plans for you over on the Derailed Twitch channel. Keep an eye on our social media for an announcement soon. We still have merch. You thought we forgot, but we didn't. Get yourself some awesome Voidfarer swag at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Fables Around the Table is celebrating spooky season with their current arc, Firelight. Fiona, our very own Ravnus, is joined by Chelsea Rexinger, GM of Tainted Love, our good friend Cliff, and myself for some spooky one-shots. Stick around at the end of the episode for a trailer. Big Streaming Pile is back. Fiona and Tom's movie podcast where they discuss the best bad movies available on Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, and other streaming services. In this season, some cool familiar voices will be joining Fiona and Tom to make some hot takes of their own. As always, special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song and other original music. And shout out to the band Highland Rose for their kick-ass rock and roll version of that theme song. Check out their EP, Live My Life, available now everywhere. Lastly, today's episode is presented in part by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back, and part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. Alrighty, the next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land on Tuesday, November 3rd. Hey, that's election day. If you're in the U.S., remember to vote if you haven't already. Please, for the love of God, help us start trying to fix this hellscape. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the show. to the canteen that is actually over by uh, like the main central thoroughfare which is like across the way from the Leadfoot pit stop where the storm rig was left and you left the um, the Leadfoot gnomes to swap out the alchemical cores that power the machine so uh, the first round's on me then how about that alright All right. <laughs> you insist I never want to argue that and you see these mismatched tables and chairs under this large canvas sailcloth. And then there is an adjacent enclosed tent that has uh, a wide flap in it that looks like uh, is where people are going to get their food and drink. And you can see that uh, now there's not a whole lot of people here as it seems to be kind of midday. But that gif you saw earlier does look like she's in the process of finishing up her meal and getting ready to leave. Does it seem like people would be able to like overhear us at our table? Um, it's possible. There's like no one around, so it's, you're not like far from this large gif woman. But is there enough other like hustle and bustle? 
Yeah, it looks like she's getting ready to leave. Um, and there are is like kind of people walking by outside. Um, but you, you're confident if you keep your voice low enough, um, you'll be fine. Cool. No reason that I asked that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, you can see into that like service tent. There is a, a bearded female dwarf serving food and drink to seekers uh, who are coming in and getting it. Uh, there's no one around now, though. Except for her. I'll grab us a table. Uh, give me a give me a rainbow bowl. Rainbow bowl, got it. I'll have a nail. Um, hello, miss. Um, can I get a rainbow bowl for my um, doar friend over there? Uh, tanker of ale and also just a, a glass of water for me, thank you. Tanker of ale, glass of water. I can do. Uh, I'm sorry, a rainbow bowl. <laughs> um, do you have any fruit? Ah, yeah, I I can do that. Yeah, a bowl of fruit. So, um, yeah, she um gives you uh, uh your order. It's a uh, it's you know a dusty tankard of ale and a glass of water and a bowl of uh an apple and some uh grapes. That's not very rainbow. I was about to say that. <laughs> I, uh, they have a, it's a it's a dig site. They have a limited yeah. supply. <laughs> um. I walk over to the table, hand over the ale, and it's like, uh, I don't think they had as much a rainbow as they did uh, two colors on the color spectrum. So if you're colorblind, they're maybe. both green. It's it's a green apple and green grapes. Okay, it's just one color. It's one color in the color uh, spectrum, hell? and it's the one that screws over most colorblind people. This is a gradient bowl. This ain't no rainbow bowl. Ugh. Man, this place. Oh, whatever. Thank you, Marco. Oh, it's no problem. Oh my gosh. You see the gift woman is standing and brushing some crumbs off of her uniformed lapel. And she does like a, a glances sideways at you and glances across the way to the pit stop. And she goes, did you come in on that contraption today? Yeah. Traveling with that deplorable lock, I see. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. I mean, why is he so deplorable again? She well, she was like in the process. So that's like all she was going to say and walk away. And when you ask that, she stops and she turns back and she goes, you haven't heard the story. <laughs> he rubs his f- flippers together. <laughs> 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 no, no. What, what's the story? Fitzwilliam Locke, formerly Brigadier, committed the most heinous act a gift can commit. All right. Ooh. He is a kinslayer. He slayed his own kind. What for? I mean, just murder? Straight up? I'm afraid I don't know the details, but it hardly matters. You see, GIF do not fight their own, let alone kill them. It's written into all of our mercenary contracts. If we should come to arms with another GIF, GIF on both sides will lower their weapons and abstain from the fight. But Fitzwilliam Locke, he killed an entire platoon of GIF. An outfit of six highly trained gifts slain by his hand. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty dangerous. What, what, what were they doing? I mean, were they, were they just like resting or was it a fight or? They were carrying out a contract. I don't know the details. Huh. But all I do know is that Fitzwilliam Locke is a disgrace to all gift everywhere. Hmm. I'm sorry, you, you're doing an A-plus Bane uh, <laughs> yeah, interpretation. Yeah, that was an extremely, like, accurate Bane impression. <laughs> it was great. I just like... It'd be very painful. <laughs> <laughs> For you, 
Interesting. So if you continue to travel with him, I suggest you do so cautiously. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. Uh, Gosh, well, thank you so much for the warning, ma'am. I really appreciate it. Does he have a history of killing his own... Was this his own platoon that he killed or his own squad? No, I don't believe so. It was a different one. I believe the rest of his platoon laid down their arms as they should have. Oh, I see. Well, that's problematic. Huh. (laughs) Wait, so Platoon 2 was threatening his platoon for some reason. Okay, you're right. You know, you said you don't know the details. I don't know why I'm pressing you, lady. (laughs) (laughs) A warning's a warning, and we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She'll nod, and she goes, Well, good day, then. I will be off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, See you later. Thank you. I turn immediately to Marco and say, like, holy shit, we got to talk to him. <laughs> yes, what in the... I look over to Ravnus, I'm just like, what? <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have trusted him. Well, that can't be the whole story, can it? I mean, why is he just going to shoot six... No, 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 there's something more there. I agree with that. However, it is concerning that he just... uh brazenly killed like what 12 people who were surrendering i don't know six um but uh i i I will also uh, remind you luckbeak you saw that he carries six pistols and they're all slightly different right okay um okay in addition to his rifle yeah so i say well go ahead no I, i i was i was thinking if i mentioned that or not but i don't think i do uh so marcus is like well he Apparently killed six people. I mean, that's that's worrisome, especially if, uh, well, he sees it fit that we might need to die to save himself in any time in the future, considering we're traveling with him through a storm full of undead. Yeah. Yeah. If he killed other Gif, there's no reason he would save us. Even before we knew this, he might have just killed us anyway. I mean, he did shoot you, Ravnus. I mean, to be fair, you invited him to, <laughs> but... Wait, he shot you? Was I there for that? Yeah. It was on it was on the storm rig. I don't think you were actually <laughs> a, in the scene though. We could keep like Marco as like you know <laughs> he was just oblivious. Was in the background, just looking on as Ramos was just shot. <laughs> he was at the bow of the ship, just wistfully looking out into the storm. <laughs> well, this is pretty pow. What was that? <laughs> what was that bang? <laughs> oh, it must have been the storm. <laughs> um Oh man! All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, as soon as we get back there, that's some great. Cause I was wondering what we would do tonight. I mean, the board games are getting boring. I'm I'm ready for something interesting. I think it's story time. Yeah. Do we really want to ask him when we're on a ship in the middle of the storm with nowhere to go? I guess you got a point. Well, you think he's gonna like? Just go bananas and, and, and do the same. I suppose there's no reason he wouldn't, huh? He might be a dangerous man. I, mean, I think the more rational answer would be that he would just uh, stonewall and not talk to us. Yeah, that makes more sense. Well, then. <laughs> he has a record of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something we put in our back pocket then. I mean, it's something that yes. we got in case we need it. Uh, eventful drink, I guess. Maybe we should have gone talk to Oban about things that have been dead for thousands of years. Yeah, it doesn't seem as fun. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I know it's your thing. 
uh, Ravnus takes a drink and, and turns to Marco and sort of lowers her voice and is like, how much do they really need all of these artifacts here? I think he's uh, right. I think that Marco wouldn't initially pick up that you're like, oh, let's steal <laughs> shit. Um, he would just be like, oh, well, I mean, they're major archaeological finds. But at the same time, I guess that if they've already been cataloged, then they don't need to go sit in a museum forever. However, it would be fantastic for people to wait a minute. <laughs> Ravnus. <laughs> you scamp. <laughs> wait, Ravnus, are you thinking about taking that stuff? I was just curious about how important it was. Uh, uh, Do they need all of it? Maybe I could talk to Diego and see if they absolutely need them for the research, because we could certainly use them. That would be nice. All right. Uh, cool. Now, Marco, you do know that, and you, you're pretty certain that this is what would happen, um, because you know that like the Seekers do deal in the sale of certain magical things like scrolls and certain magic items. Um, you would probably be able to guess that if the items themselves were not deemed particularly useful to the Seekers and they've already learned what they have to learn, what there is to learn about them, um, the Seekers would probably sell them to fund the Seeker operations. Marco has a um, moral <laughs> dilemma here. Uh, it says, well, I am aware that um, any items that they don't deem as important, they tend to sell to uh, fund more digs and other sort of ventures. All right. Maybe we could negotiate a deal. I have been working hard to help them assist them i don't know how much it's going to get us you could get paid in magic items i mean that would be at least good for us i mean maybe not for you but maybe i can go well ravnus was there for the conversation about the sword right yeah, yeah. um okay so then she's like there might be a sword there that seeks out squids that would be useful is there any particular item you're looking for, Luckbeak? Just in case, if we can't get them all, maybe I can negotiate certain ones. I mean, not especially. Uh, I mean, that quill was interesting to me. Yeah, that quill was interesting to me, too. I don't know what it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the ring. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind the ring as well. Um, Do we know if, theoretically, this was a game where there was a book that had the names of the magic items in it. Do we know what the sword would be called? AKA, is there a like actual name for the sword? Uh, yeah, it is. It is a uh, plus one long sword of the Sentinel. Okay. And you don't know what type of creature um, the Sentinel ability is for. Gotcha. Let me go talk with Diego and see what happens. And maybe I can acquire us these items without having to pilfer them from the Seekers and potentially get me in a lot of trouble. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. So I'm going to head over to Diego and uh, leave the other two for now. Sure. Um, you go to get up and uh, you spot uh, Ezerath approaching the three of you. Um, don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't make eye contact. So, <laughs> oh, um, Ezerath. Um, I would like to speak to you and your friends um, if you're not busy. Um, it's regarding the thing below. Oh, sure, of course. And I walk back with her to the table. And she'll sit down. 
uh, Marcos. Did, what did I say about no eye contact, Marco? The first thing you do is bring her over here? <laughs> I tried <laughs> to. Never mind. Let's just. She sits down and there's like an awkward beat for a second. And she goes, I'm. First, I wanted to say I'm sorry. I treated you, all of you. She says like towards Ravnus first and then the rest. I treated all of you unfairly. And I wanted to say thank you. Your thought strand was very useful. I just performed the Detect Thoughts ritual to read it. I have a theory, but I think I need your help again. Okay. What can we do? What are you asking for? I need to be able to study that seal more. And she looks at Marco. I was hoping perhaps you can convince the dig leader to allow me to study it. So, okay. I can attempt to. Remind <laughs> me again, Nick, why was, like, I remember that she was like, oh, you're welcome to work with us, but didn't she want to, like, claim something in there? So what it was is that Diego was originally more than happy to let her, like, stick around and provide insight and stuff. But so long as that she followed the, like, seeker procedures and followed within, like, the guidelines of the seeker's operation first. Okay. Um, and she was not amenable to that at all. And since then, you have now personally warned Diego that she might be trouble, which means that Diego may no longer have that opinion. But Ezerath has claimed that she does not mean to prevent the Seekers from getting any information. She is just interested in gaining information herself. Ezerath, listen, um, I can certainly go to Diego and try to talk with him about this, but I think the general prevailing thought pattern here amongst the archaeologists is that you're going to do something that might jeopardize what they're doing here. Can you give me anything to work on? Anything I can bring to Diego that says everything will be fine if they let you down there? I don't have anything concrete. But I believe that this location was the site of a Gizerai Adamantine Fortress for a time. Adamantine Fortress. It... It would explain the markings on the ground, and its plane shift is powerful enough to leave residual magic that would punch a hole through the storm. Okay. That would persist permanently. Wow. Marco uh, kind of stands up and says, I think I can get Diego to budge then. And uh, <laughs> walks out the tent. <laughs> uh, she says... Thank you. And yeah, Marco is going to be uh, kind of expediently walking over to Diego's tent. Sure. She is, uh, uh, as you walk away, Ezerath is still sitting there at the table and she looks back to Luckbeak and Ravnus. And she looks to Ravnus and says, again, thank you. And I'm sorry for how I acted. And she stands and um, goes to walk away. Ravnus, let's her. All right. Marco, you head to Diego's tent. I, I call out through the tent, as, uh, since I don't think I can knock on a flap. Uh, Diego, do you mind if I come in? Oh, Marco, yes. I walk in. 
give a good wave as I approach. Yeah, you see that um, uh, Diego's not alone in here. He seems to be having a conversation with a tall, broad-shouldered uh, Earth Genasi. Diego says, ah, Marco, this is uh, geologist Ivan. Ivan. It's a pl- actually, I was meaning to uh, come and talk with you later on in the day. <laughs> he looks surprised. It is a pleasure to meet you. And uh, he has a firm handshake. His skin is like a dull tan brown color. And you see like what looks like like cracks in a desert, like kind of uh, that kind of cover his um, uh, his his whole like complexion. And then his hair is like a um, like a brownish green um, that goes about halfway down his back, kind of wavy and messy. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Ebon. Um Actually, uh, you might be interested in what I have to say of what I worked out with with uh, Colette and Colo. He nods and goes, yes, I would be very interested in what you have to share. And Diego shares that sentiment. Um, he adjusts his wheelchair to kind of turn at you a little bit more and goes, well, um, how, how can we help you then? Well, um, as interesting as it is, after talking with um, Colo and Colette, uh, we did kind of come to the determination that there may have been evidence of an illithid attack or certainly a creature with a strong psionic ability that targeted this small town for a long period of time um, in which those iron bars may have been used as a ritualistic um, sort of means of stopping whatever creature this may have been that was targeting them. Um, also found that the two bones the ones of the elves and the dwarf was a elf attempting to um curry a protection deal with the dwarf at the time and included a group of items that could be used to fend off an attack from a psionic creature once again potentially an illithid maybe something else wow that is impressive um (laughs) you were able to piece that together in such a short time the enclave back on the Deer Anchorage was not exaggerating. Oh, um, thank you. Um, Marco rubs the back of his head like, oh, that's <laughs> nice. Uh, Sheepishly. <laughs> I was kind of curious, though. I mean, my prevailing theory was illithids, considering how prevalent they are in this war, in this society, I should say, in like this, you know, universe, not just here. But uh, I was also curious, maybe, was um, there any potential like water sources or any sort of underground wells? Because the idea of an aboleth might also be a potential cause of someone that could stick around for a while, cause untold havoc. Uh, Ebon kind of furrows his brow and he goes, no close by water sources. Um, It actually looks like uh, we found evidence of uh, irrigation channels that were diverting water um, a great distance to get to this location. Okay, so the illithid in theory seems to be the most plausible out of those two um well i also found out some potential information that might also be of some assistance um the woman gith zarai ezareth she actually calmed down she started to calmly explain that she thinks that a gith zarai adamantine fortress used to stand in this spot and the seal is connected to it and she requested if she could be so kind um, to look at the seal and still obey all seeker guidelines as per the original agreement that you all discussed. Hmm. Um, both Ebon and uh, Diego kind of furrow their brows at that for a minute. And Diego says, and you're certain we can trust her? Because it was you 
that came into my tent m mere hours ago to tell me that she might be a problem. I certainly agree with that sentiment, and at the time I thought that she was dangerous. She has since approached us and did state that she feels bad about the way that she treated not only myself and my cohort, but you all as well. And she did say that she wants to actually just investigate the site, the seal, and will operate under secret guidelines. Now, I'm not saying that she is 100% trustworthy, but her approach this time has been far more polite, courteous, and I think that she might, it might be worthwhile to give her a second chance for the sake of progress. Because I think that she can get, make further progress on that seal than any of us could, since we are not Gesserai. Go ahead and make a persuasion check with okay. advantage. All right. Okay, number one is a 16, and number two is a 12. Okay, 16 it is. Um, he nods and goes, all right. Well, if she is correct, that is very useful information to have. But do we have any way of verifying this somehow to make sure she's not attempting to mislead us in some way? Ebon is actually going to speak up. Um, he's been, you know, his brow furrowed thinking. Um, and he goes, well, now that you mention it, I did observe from the ground layers and the terrain in the area that it does appear that the geoglyph that resides here in Storm's Eye did appear several decades after the town was abandoned. If it is caused by the arrival of this Githzerai fortress, it could explain that. She did actually mention that some of the residual energy had the ability to cut through the storm, so it is possible. Ebon and Diego kind of look at each other for a minute, and Diego is going to look back to you and says, All right, I'll be willing to allow her to stay. If she can provide more insight, perhaps, into this potential Githzerai presence here, they might be able to piece together what happened here. Um, and also as a potential insurance policy, I also plan to be down there with her at the time so I can at least be her watchman to make sure that she's not going to do something that could bring harm to us or this archaeological dig. Um, aren't you planning on leaving in a mere few more hours? Well, how long is this going to take her? I didn't think it would take days. We're still in the process of figuring out how this Gezerai seal opens. It, I was hoping it might be able to be done today, but it might not happen until tomorrow or the next day. If that's the case, what if I bring Ezareth over here and you all can work out an accord together, and I will help mediate to make sure that everybody walks away happy? Certainly. I'm amenable to the idea of her staying and... Um, perhaps providing her insight that she can provide in exchange for her being able to stay and observe and take whatever knowledge she can gain. I appreciate I will be uh, right back with her then, then to talk this out. Uh, Marco <laughs> is going to turn away and then turn around and be like, oh yeah, uh, one more thing. <laughs> Some of the magical items that were in the tent with uh, Colo, um, our group has found to be potentially quite useful, especially since we may run into some problems in the future. Is there any way that we could potentially claim a couple of them if they do not hold any value to the archaeological dig? Hmm. 
he seems a little surprised by that and he furrows his brow and he'll he'll say hmm well um if colo is done cataloging them and um based on her assessment we may be able to part with some of them um i'll tell you what your presence here has been incredibly useful marco I would be willing to part with one of those items in exchange for the information that you have already provided. If there are any others that you wish to obtain, I could have Colo appraise them and perhaps you can purchase them. A fair assessment, and thank you so much, then, for that. I think you have certainly made my associates quite happy. I'm happy to hear. All right. I will be right back with Azerath. Okay. Well, for the sake of brevity, um, I'm... This is the part where we talk about turtle soup, right? <laughs> right. For the sake of brevity, uh, you uh, go and can get uh, Ezerath and take her back to Diego, and they are able to reach an accord pretty easily. It seems that Ezerath has now kind of been humbled a little bit uh, and has realized, you know, given the help that you have given her, it seems a lot more willing to be a little bit more chill <laughs> in getting what she wants. So is, is, and does agree to Diego's terms and Diego agrees to hers. So she'll stay and help with that. And yeah. Um, so you get to keep one item. You, you go back to the group to convey that information and we can do that real quick. And then uh, I'll narrate us out um, because I do want you guys to leave this location <laughs> by the end of the episode. So that we'll is, wrap what? that up real quick. <laughs> that is fair. That's totally fair. I thought that this was just going to be the chapter again. It's just, it's just, it's just the archeo archeological thing, the whole chapter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it's the best one. We get to talk about archeology, span guys. Marco gets oh, to do Marco God. things for two it straight episodes. <laughs> it was supposed to be one straight episode. It's not going to be more than two. <laughs> yeah, Marco just gets to, it's just the Marco experience with his sidekicks, Ravnus and Luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Marco, after uh, getting Ezerath and um, Ezerath and Diego to play nice with each other, you meet back up with Luckbeak and Ravness. So he said that we are more than welcome to claim one of the items for the assistance that we provided him here, and he's willing to part ways with another one. However, we would need to purchase it. Well, we ain't got the money for it. I'm sure magic items are like. Ridiculous, ain't they? Uh, that was my thoughts, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we could always try to steal it. Well, yeah, but the seek... I mean, Marco, that's... These are seekers, right? Um, I mean, would you be cool with that? I'm not comfortable with that, Ravnus. I'm sorry, but I'm a member of the seekers. It's... It doesn't feel right to me. Stealing from some ne'er-do-well in the galaxy is one thing, but I mean, these are good people who are just trying to learn things and i'm one of them yeah but i stole shit from you all oh, i shouldn't say that out loud uh yeah <laughs> listen luck big i don't approve of that either but here we are <laughs> um all right so i mean on a needs basis what are we looking at here i mean is it it's a sword ain't it well the other ones could potentially be beneficial if we came across illithids and also it'd be beneficial if i could read ravnus's thought strands but i think you are correct that the sword would be the most beneficial altogether all right well let me go i'll go grab it you two marco you haven't had a chance to enjoy a drink yet and you know i'm sure you're all shaken up from that conversation that uh you just had with your friend there ravnus so i'll go grab it what friend the the other gif 
your pal? We're not friends. <laughs> we're, we're not friends. I'm going to roll an insight check on you going to collect okay, the that's item. Fair. <laughs> uh, what, do I roll contrary to that, Nick, or what? Uh, uh, I mean, are you planning on doing anything? Yeah, shifty? are you lying? Yeah, I am 100% going to steal the ring. Okay. Uh, then I guess make a deception check. Yeah. Let's hear it. 36. Oof, 14. Ooh. 14? Um, I tied. I also got a 14. Oh, I'm the defender. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I would, uh, I will defer to Saker for this, and it might be in Marco's mind that it's plausible deniability. This is your good friend Luckbeak. Yeah, yeah, I mean we could. He wouldn't that do out. anything. <laughs> uh, are you saying anything to me? If if you have a suspicion, which you might. So like, whenever he's like, I'll go get the sword. Marco kind of gives you like a side eye, a little bit like. Uh huh, but he's not going to press the issue right now. He's going to be like the better angels of our nature will take over. Obviously, <laughs> great. So he's kind of weary, but at the same time, he's like, okay, I trust you, Luckbeak. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I trust you to do the right thing. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I'm going to head up uh, back to the tent. Okay. Yeah, you see Colo is still there. Um, she's now moved on to some other items, although the items that you saw before are still laid out um, where they were. Sure. Um, I'm going to go to Colo and say, uh, hey, uh, Colo, um, I don't know. Can you believe it? Uh, boss says that uh, we can have two magic items. She gives you a look and says, uh, that's strange. I was just informed by Diego himself that you were to receive one. Mm. Yeah. Uh gosh, he came here himself and told you that? Um, not exactly. Uh and she kind of like gestures to her head, and you get the impression it was a sending spell. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, shoot. You know, those can be tricky. Um, hang on one sec. Let me let me go talk to him. Uh I leave the um I leave the tent and I wait okay. about six seven minutes uh i'm going to use uh message on her and i'm going to use master of intrigue to perfectly imitate diego's voice you have not heard diego's voice oh no it was only it was only marco who yeah. met and spoke with diego i am so sorry saker i really want these ideas I to have work so many good plans but, <laughs> luck be goes and kicks down diego's tent hey what's well, no, your well, okay well, I mean, diego can you read these very specific that's, that's what i do nick is i literally go to diego's tent and i i uh i poke my head because i know where diego's tent is right yes okay yeah, uh, you got to the outside of it, and then uh, Ravnus and you went and followed Ezra. Yep. You never went in. Uh, so I go in, uh, and I say, uh, hey, I'm looking for uh, uh, a Diego. Uh, yes, that's that's me. Great. Uh, I was I'm sorry, have we met? No, 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 no. I was just, I was told to uh, to, to give this to you. I'm, uh, you know, just, you know, sort of a, a runner, one of the folks in town right now, uh, just looking to make a few copper pieces. Uh, I give him the copper rose amulet. Um, this is that you I, got I, from the yeah. Correct. I, I guess this is from the dig site. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, they just they just told me to run by and give this to you. I'm sorry, who? Colo. That's strange. Did she say why? Um, yeah, she said she was going to be really busy for like the next hour or so, but then she was going to come by, swing by, and 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 let you know, uh, 
what it was all about. Oh, oh, all right. Uh, make a deception she, check for me, please. Yeah, yeah. She said she was going to be in the bathroom. She had to take a real bad. So don't bother her. Like, do not send a message to her. Uh, that's at 19 plus 10. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, thanks a bunch. Uh, I'm off. Yeah. He takes it and goes, oh, all right. Um, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Great. Uh, then I um, <laughs> then I go and I go to the side of the tent. Uh, now that I know what Diego sounds like since I've uh, I've talked to him, um, I do the message uh, spell to send a message to um, to to Colo in Diego's voice, um, saying uh, that we can have three magic items. <laughs> <laughs> I've upped my number. All right, all right, all right. Um, this does this does work. You can you can perfectly imitate his voice. The spell goes off but I do need you to make a deception of check. Of course. And you can do it with advantage because you're using his voice. Okay. There's a 21 and there's a 27. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah, she goes, Rogues oh. are cheating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I can't hear her talk back to me. That's not how message works. Um, you, you can. Oh. You, it, yeah, really? it, it is an immediate. Like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, if Critical Role has pounded one thing into my head, it is that yeah, you can reply really. to this message. <laughs> you can reply to this message. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, then I wait two more minutes and walk in. Okay. Uh, and I say, uh, hey, he said he said he got in contact with you. Um, yes, he, he, he did. Perfect. So. Uh, I go over and I take the sword, the ring, and the quill. Okay. So, ring of mind shielding, the sword, and the quill. Not the medallion? The medallion is what would allow Marco to read Ravnus's things. Yeah. Uh. Well, we're we're already screwing Marco. Let's just screw him <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> just from a Tanner perspective, it would be even greater in my mind that you were able to grab all the magical items that are not beneficial to Marco. That would be incredible. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it would just bring it full circle of like. Oh, just like Marco, like, hey, please don't steal from my like colleagues. <laughs> and then like, we just raids them. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. They said we could have all of them. Yeah. Had a change of heart. Yeah. Fuck. Maybe I don't grab anything for Marco. Yeah, that actually makes more it, sense. Why would I want totally. to walk back? Why would oh, you boy. hand over something that's like, oh, yeah, here, take this. Yeah, yeah. Gives Marco plausible deniability. For sure. I take the quill for myself then. Okay. But if Marco finds out. Mm, yep, he's going to be pissed at me. You take the ring, the quill, and the sword. You got it. Okay. Or Marco. <laughs> and then uh, Kolo will say, uh, is watching which ones you take, and she makes uh, notes in her ledger. Okay. Okie doke. Uh, then I... Uh, I pocket the ring and quill somewhere on my person but i carry the sword back to the group yeah it's it's pretty heavy it's it's like longer than you are tall okay oh great i'm dragging it like a <laughs> fucking pyramid head are, are we stopping here on the way back yes I think you, have you, to. you stop here on the way back <laughs> oh great wonderful uh, i didn't think about all that right either. that's that's a later problem yep that's, <laughs> that's a future oh, luck beak problem i feel real sick guys i'm gonna stay on the ship oh um Okay, uh, so I uh, I come in victoriously. Uh, I say, uh, uh, "Man of the hours here. Here you go, Ravnus." Thank you. Yeah. You now have extra spec, which is a plus one longsword of the Sentinel 
versus some creature, <laughs> uh, you know that it glows when that creature comes within 120 feet. Um, but you don't know what that creature is yet. You can identify it to find out or find out through experimentation, I suppose. She's really vetting it's it's the squids. That's that's where her mind is. I have no idea if that's correct, but that's what she's guessing. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. So with that, um, you all regrouped here. Um, you know that there's only a short amount of time before the storm rig is rolling out. And um, that time passes. You see Lugnut going, all right, we're getting ready to head out of here. Everyone on board. And you see Locke step forward with all of his guns and pack ready to go. And he clambers aboard. The suspension of this whole huge storm rig kind of lurches under his weight and goes, all right, let's get going. All right. We, I load on. I crawl right. on and say hi to Brohane on my way back in. Yeah. Brohane looks a little groggy. It looks like he was probably sleeping the whole stop. <laughs> oh, can't get a lick of sleep during the storm. It was a nice break. Good sleep then. I had a great time myself. I'll tell you about it sometime. It'll put you back to sleep, I promise. Brawler says, and I enjoyed watching you sleep the whole time. Creepy. <laughs> It'll say, maybe, maybe push it over the edge a little bit, Brawler, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Brohane just kind of grumbles to himself and shakes his head. But with that, it is Camshaft that hops behind the wheel this time, and the storm rig lurches to life and pulls out of the Leadfoot pit stop heading to the opposite side of the archaeological site that you entered and breaches into the storm once more for the next leg of your journey. All right. Very nice. As each day shrinks shorter and the nights grow colder, our souls prepare to darken along with the night sky. Four storytellers gather round the campfire. Each has a tale to tell. The counselors at Camp Marigold are trying to move on from the terrors of the previous summer. Will they escape from the clutches of the Lindworm? Three friends investigate a small town after their vehicle breaks down on their road trip. Will they survive its horrifying secret or succumb to devastation? A tale of mystical felines who watch over the children of the neighborhood. Will they be able to save them on All Hallows' Eve? When nightmares become indistinguishable from reality, where do the real horrors lie? Fables around the table. Firelight premieres October 7th. Wherever you get your podcasts. projectderailed.com